welcome to the 26th episode of the comic show on Monkeys Fighting Robots. This week we are talking about the first two parts of Avengers No Surrender, as well as Ice Cream Man, issue number one from Image Comics. I'm your host, Anthony Composto. I'm also the editor of the comic book section on Monkeys Fighting Robots. Joining me in the conversation is nobody. Matt is not available today, Brooke was not available for her usual fill-in co-host duties, and I'm kind of throwing this together on short notice, so couldn't really get anybody else, so it's just me this week, but hey, who else do you really need? Guys, if you like the show, subscribe on Blog Talk Radio, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Feedback is very welcome. Please comment, tweet at us, let us know how we're doing, what books you're reading, what you think we should be reading and talking about, just any feedback is welcome. And the comic show is also sponsored by Uncanny Heroes in Tampa. Guys, if you follow us on Facebook, you know that Matt goes live every Wednesday from Uncanny Heroes for New Comic Book Day. And if you didn't know, now you know. And there are a ton of trades and graphic novels coming out each week. And at Uncanny Heroes, every day, trades and graphic novels are 25% off. You love a deal, they got a deal. Uncanny Heroes is located at 12904 North 56th Street in Temple Terrace. Check them out on the web at uncannyheroes.com and like them on Facebook at Uncanny Heroes Tampa. Support your local comic book store, people. So yeah, guys, it's just me this week, so we're just going to get right on into it. There's no one for me to banter with for a good 10 minutes, just arguing for about nothing. So we're just going to get right into it. We are talking the first two parts of Avengers No Surrender. That's Avengers issue 675, came out last week, and Avengers 676 this week. That's one of the benefits of throwing together this show kind of late this week, is that we can actually talk about a new Marvel book. We don't have to wait a week. There's no lag time. I'm talking about a Marvel book that is out today. And this is, uh, like I said, Avengers No Surrender. It's Marvel's new weekly Avengers event. It's only taking place in the Avengers title. It's a 16-part weekly event. It is written by Mark Wade, along with Al Ewing and Jim Zub. Art is by Pepe Larez, colors by David Curiel, and lettering by Corey Petit. So, just a quick little plot summary. Uh, I, I might go into some spoilers for Avengers 675 since it's a week old. I'm going to do my best not to spoil 676 out this week, but just talk about some general plot details. So, when 675 starts, stuff's going down. Basically, long story short, the Earth goes missing. Someone has stolen the Earth. It's not in its normal spot in the Milky Way galaxy anymore. We don't know where it is. And all the heroes on Earth are kind of coming together. So you have all the Avengers teams. You have the regular Avengers. You have the U.S. Avengers. You have the, the Unity Squad. They're, they're all coming together. So all your Avengers teams are coming together. And not really sure where this is going, but, you know, a lot of people are saying that this is going to kind of be Marvel's way of consolidating things. They're going to be kind of trimming some fat maybe by the end. It's 16 weeks, so we'll see where we are at the end. But all we know is that we have, we have everyone in this book. You have... You know, Sam Wilson, you have Rogue, you have all their Avengers teams, you have, you know, like I said, AIM with their whole Avengers team. Everyone's coming together to figure out what's going on. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, I was not looking forward to this. I wasn't because it's it's a weekly 16-part event, like I said, and Marvel was kind of billing it where they were just like, yeah, it's only going to be in the Avengers title. You're not going to have to buy a bunch of tie-ins and stuff like that. But in my mind, I was like, yeah, but you're just, you move the Avengers book to being weekly for 16 weeks. So I, I, feel, I felt like there was a trade-up going on there, and it was kind of annoying to me. I felt like it was more Marvel marketing nonsense, where I was like, you're just cramming more comics down our throat, and you're making it sound like you're doing us a favor, but you're still you know, hitting us up for more money. But you know, the more I thought about it, I realized that whether it was weekly or monthly, it was still going to work out to be the same amount. It's about $4 a book, so 16 parts, it's about $64 total. 
And whether they, like I said, they did it monthly or weekly, it's still going to be the same $64. This way you're just getting it all that much sooner. I do see this trend in comics where some publishers for events are going towards the weekly thing. You know, we see it with Phoenix Resurrection right now and Avengers. DC's done it. They're doing the bi-weekly thing on most of their Rebirth books over at DC. And, you know, at first, like I said, it, 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 it did annoy me and it does annoy me to a certain extent. But I also realized that we're kind of in a culture right now where people's attention spans are waning. So maybe moving towards this weekly, bi-weekly release schedule is just their way of kind of keeping people's focus. And as someone who studied marketing, I can appreciate that. And I see what they're going for as long as it's handled in the right way. So I kind of, I kind of made my piece with the whole weekly thing on this Avengers No Surrender title. What I will say is that this is a 16-parter, and through the first two issues, you can tell that it kind of, it, it's it's slow, spread-out storytelling, so far at least. I mean, we're two issues in, only two issues out of 16, and especially in the second issue, not much happens at all. You know, the first issue, there's a lot of just, like, action, a lot of establishing shots, a lot of crazy stuff going on. The second issue, just a lot of talking, there's not a lot of action, in, you know, compared to the first issue. So I feel like they're spreading it out. Again, it's so so early right now, so who knows when they're going to kick it into high gear or if. But if it does turn out to be you know 16 issues and they just have it all spread out instead of consolidating it and making it a shorter, tighter story, then I'm going to be back to you know my whole annoyed stance that they this is just you know more Marvel marketing nonsense where they could have told a shorter, more concise story, but they're dragging it out for 16 issues just to get that much more revenue out of it. Then I'll be annoyed. But it is kind of slow, spread out storytelling, so it's hard to really say how I feel about it, because I don't know what's happening quite yet. So far, you know, I do have some gripes with it. There's not a lot of substance to it as of yet. It's just, like I said, it's a lot of action, a lot of craziness. There's not much to go off of, not much to speak to. There's nothing that I can really point to favorably and say, oh, this was really cool, or oh, this really meant a lot, because there hasn't been any substance to it. It's all just been big action shots or you know, some arguing and some superhero tropes that we've seen before, you know, teams coming together, who's in charge, who wants to take leadership, and there's quabbling and arguing and stuff like that. So nothing really breaking the mold. The art kind of reflects that as well. Pepe Lares is good. I like his art on this, but again, it's nothing groundbreaking. It's an Avengers book. There's a lot of action shots, a lot of character shots, nothing, nothing new or groundbreaking, which is fine. I don't need anything new or groundbreaking. It just you know, just saying that it, it didn't um, didn't stand out. I think what did stand out, there is one moment in this book that really stood out to me in the first issue, 675, and it's my favorite shot of either of the two issues so far. It's Carol Danvers, Miss uh, Captain Marvel in space, seeing the spot where the Earth used to be, and it's just empty space, and it's just like Carol alone with the vastness of space. Awesome shot, incredibly powerful shot. That did stand out to me. And that did hit me and resonate with me a little bit. I would have loved to see more moments like that in these two issues. but ho And hopefully we get more moments like that in the next 14. You know, in an Avengers book where there's a lot of crazy action and stuff like that, the small, quiet moments, you know, really stand out above the rest. And it, and it had the weight and the substance that the, the rest of the two issues kind of lacked for me at this point. And I know it's hard, too, when you have this many characters going on, it's hard to give everyone their due and hard to really dig into any one character, any one thing. But again, if you're going 16 issues, you have plenty of time to kind of give each character a certain due in a way. Okay, I'm just going to kind of cut to the chase on this one because again, I don't want to spoil anything for this week's issue and not a lot has happened plot-wise yet. They still don't know what the heck's happening. The teams are just coming together. But 
we are introduced to this new character, Voyager, whose real name is Valerie Vector. And I hesitate to say new character because she's very much like the century where the, the way that they're establishing her is that she was a founding member of the Avengers. You saw her in the Marvel Legacy one shot when they showed the iconic statue of the founding member. She was in there. And now they're kind of rewriting history to say that she's always been there. She was a founding member of the Avengers. And then something happened and she kind of got lost and people forgot about her. And now she's back again. We're introduced to her at the end of the first issue of this in 675. And then 676 kind of goes into her backstory and they kind of show you moments from history and insert her into the moments like the Avengers founding and, you know, when Captain America took over and they got a couple of new members and so on and so forth. You see her inserted into Avengers history. And this annoys me. I, I don't care for this kind of stuff. You've heard me and Matt talk about the century on this podcast before and not, you know, I'm not a fan of that. I'm a fan of like going back and rewriting and forcing these characters into history. I was kind of annoyed reading the second issue when I'm going through those first few pages where they're inserting her into history and a bunch of the other Avengers are just like, oh, you've always been there and I loved you and, and you meant so much to us and you're the core of the team and blah, blah, blah. And it was annoying to read that knowing that this character has never been around before and that they're kind of shoving her in there. I will say that this could go in so many different directions. Like I said, we have 14 issues left on this. They're not, I doubt that they're just going to insert her into history and just leave it. And then just, this is the new status quo. I, I feel like she's going to end up being like the plot twist later on. You're going to find out that she's someone else. People are already speculating online. One of the more popular theories being that she's Valeria Richards, the daughter of Miss Fantastic and the Invisible Woman. She could be any number of things. I, I don't think that she's just going to be who they say she is. I'd be really annoyed if, if they did go down this route again, similar to the century. Especially when you think about how Avengers No Surrender, a lot of people were hoping that it would kind of be a course correct for the Marvel Universe and kind of bring back a lot of the, almost like it's legacy, almost like it's rebirth, rather, kind of like how DC did that and kind of brought back the, the heart and soul of the DC Universe. I think a lot of people were hoping that this was going to be doing that for Marvel. So it'd kind of be really annoying if if in this event they, they force in yet another new character and tried to make it feel like she was there from the beginning. But I do think that she's going to end up being some kind of plot twist, whether she's, you know, Valeria Richards or, or whoever. Or they're saying that she's not Kobik, the cosmic cube. And again, it, it, it's really hard to just kind of like speak to it because nothing's really happened yet. I'm going to keep going back to this because that's one of my biggest drawbacks here is that it's just been so, it's been slow and nothing's happened so far. Again, this might be a situation where maybe wait, maybe wait a few weeks since it's a weekly issue or maybe wait until all 16 parts are out and then just binge it it might be a more enjoyable read because i feel like week to week it might be a little bit grinding if, if it keeps on going this slow and i'm getting shades of just again this isn't spoiling anything but i'm getting shades of marvel's secret wars and not like not the new secret wars the original marvel secret wars i'm getting kind of shades of that feeling as well while i've read these first two issues there are a few things that happened with certain heroes being cherry-picked and some, again, it's hard for me to kind of go into it without spoiling anything, particularly with the second issue, because although not a lot happens, there are there is one thing that does happen that progresses the plot a little bit, and it feels very Secret Wars to me. All in all, though, I'm going to give this book a 3.8 monkeys. I liked it. You know, if you want to go out and read the first two issues, get a sense, or like I said, my recommendation is maybe wait just a little bit longer, let some of them accrue, go back and read it as like a chunk. Maybe read them like month to month or something. All right, next up on the docket is Ice Cream Man number one from Image Comics. It's written by W. Maxwell Prince with art by Martine Morazzo and colors by Chris O'Halloran. Lettering is by good old Neon. 
Guys, I also have a written review of Ice Cream Man number one up on Monkeys Fighting Robots on the website, so you can go check that out. I'll just give you my score up front. I gave it a four out of five. It is an anthology series. Every issue is going to be a new story featuring a new cast of characters, but each one will be connected by the appearance of the Ice Cream Man, and I'll get into that a little bit more later. So it's a, it's, it's a very trippy, very twisted, surreal ride. It, it's got a lot of different elements to it. It's got some fantasy to it. It's got some horror to it. And it all blends together really well. Like, it doesn't feel jarring. or I mean, it feels jarring in the sense that you have no idea what the hell is happening, but it doesn't feel conflicting. And with each issue being a different story, the thing that's going to be connecting them all, other than the ice cream, is the theme of suffering. So this is a series about human suffering and kind of delving into, the you know, the nature of human existence. So there is a kind of a deep meaning to it. There's a lot of just, like, fun, surface, horror, monster story stuff going on here, but there is kind of a deeper philosophical tone to it as well and that's very present in the first issue a lot of the narration deals with that you know the narration kind of gets a little bit deeper and heavier while the action and the stuff that's unfolding in the story is uh, a little bit crazier a little zanier and again it didn't seem conflicting it was very enjoyable i enjoyed it a lot and i'm really looking forward to see how they explore suffering moving forward and you know how it's going to be you know internal suffering versus external suffering and how each person suffers in their own unique way I like that the Ice Cream Man is the connecting factor. Again, this character of the Ice Cream Man, who I'm not going to give anything away regarding the Ice Cream Man because it's just insane. But I like that it is specifically an Ice Cream Man because this book, especially issue one, I, I get a real sense of suburban horror to it. It takes place in, you know, small town America. And I like suburban horror stories where it kind of deals with the problems, the trials and tribulations that you get in, you know, small town America or in, in the suburbs. And the one thing that a lot of those places have in common is like the Ice Cream Man. The Ice Cream Man is almost a local celebrity in a sense that kind of connects all of these small towns and connects all of the people in that sense. So I like the symbolism of using the Ice Cream Man in that way. One thing I talked about in my written review and I'm going to talk about here because it's my favorite part of the book is that there's a real sense of dread going on. Like even the most mundane, simple things that you're watching happen, just like they make you feel tense and they make you feel nervous because the way that a prince writes them in the way that he narrates each panel but also the way that morazzo illustrates them like it's kind of slow pacing like you see a kid just like walking down the street and he breaks it up into several different panels and just like the way that you see it unfolding like it's almost like like a heartbeat kind of like a and like you 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 feel that something is coming and, and it kind of unnerves you and his art really feels that way too where all of his people kind of look slightly off they're kind of scary in a sense. So again, it's like they look like people and you feel like they should be familiar to you. But again, they just they feel a little bit off and they they kind of fill you again with that sense of like, okay, I don't really trust what I'm seeing right now. I don't really know what's happening and this is making me a little bit nervous. And you got to remember that you're listening to a guy who really likes weird comics. I like weird storytelling. I like comics and everything. Comics, movies, TV show, novels. I like stories that kind of push the boundaries that are kind of genre defying and that's what this is and kind of explore new avenues and do things that make you think and kind of challenge the, what we expect. They challenge what we expect out of media. And I feel like Ice Cream Man does that. I'm not saying that it is a perfect comic. I would have liked a little bit more character work. I would have liked to have connected with the characters more, especially since it is an anthology series. So we're not going to see these characters anymore. We're going to move on to a new cast of characters next issue. So I didn't really get a connection. And I'm a character guy. I like comics and all media where... They're character pieces. This is not that. This is very much more story-driven. But again, there's a lot in the story that you can connect to as well. So I feel like it kind of balances out in a sense. 
Again, I gave this book a four. Uh, I highly recommend you pick it up if you're going to pick up a, a, an indie book this week or if you're looking for a new series to jump on. Why not Ice Cream Man? All right, guys. Again, since it is just me this week and we kind of uh, breeze through those books that I want to talk about and I have a little bit of time to play with, I do just want to run through some quick reading recommendations, not long in-depth reviews of any of them, but just books that are out this week that you should also check out. So you have Doctor Strange 384. You know that we've talked about this new Donny Cates, Gabriel Hernandez, Walta, Jordi Belair, Doctor Strange book. It's awesome. It is still going on. I, I can't recommend this highly enough. Donny Cates is killing it right now. He's the man over at Marvel. If you're not on Doctor Strange, get on Doctor Strange. Next up is Batman 39. We are continuing, or not we, Tom King is continuing the Super Friends storyline. We saw him interacting with Superman over a course of a couple of issues and dealing with the quote-unquote fallout of the engagement over there. Now we're jumping over and seeing him connect with Wonder Woman and interact with Wonder Woman a little bit. There was, apparently there's like some similarities from this Batman book to an old issue of Action Comics that a lot of people are calling out, and Tom King actually addressed that on Twitter. He had no idea. I think he feels kind of bad because he said, if I had known that my book was so similar to that book, I would have credited those guys. I would have given them their due. So he has like openly admitted that, you know, they did it first. Again, I don't remember the Action Comics issue, but his Batman's been killer. So keep on that. Uh, then Mighty Thor 703. I'm really loving Jason Aaron's Thor. I've loved it since the beginning, since his God Butcher arc. It's just been a solid ride the entire way through. We're, we're in the death of the Mighty Thor storyline right now. Something, you know, Jane is on her way out, maybe. If you've been reading Mighty Thor, you'd, you'd, there's really nothing else to be said about this. Like, you're going to want to keep reading Mighty Thor. And, and if you haven't been reading Jason Aaron's Thor, go back and just, like, read the whole thing, man. There's, like, next time you get a break or if you need some reading material, jump on any of Jason Aaron's Mighty Thor. And I know it's a lot, but even take it in chunks. Just read the new Mighty Thor or just read when Jane came on or just get into Jason Aaron's Thor because it, it's really been amazing. And then uh, Killer Be Killed, issue 15, is also out from Image this week. Love Killer Be Killed. It's Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. It's their latest crime noir story about a vigilante who has started having visions of a demon telling him to kill people. Otherwise, he himself would be killed. So he was kind of killing for survival. And then as the series went on, you kind of figured out not everything was as it seemed. And you don't really know what's real and what's not anymore. And it's just getting crazier and crazier and better and better with each issue. If you like crime noir, if you like Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, you, you already are reading this book, I'm sure. But if, if you're not, if you're looking, again, for just something really, really friggin' awesome, check out Killer Be Killed. There's only 15 issues out so far. Catch up. And then finally, Damage Issue 1 is out from DC Comics. It is the start of their new age of heroes. I don't want to say event, but whatever they're doing with this branding, it's the first of their new age of heroes, which is where they're going to be bringing all these new books in, like, damage and silencer and the terrific so this is the first of that so jump on that and check it out as well why not all right guys that is it for me this week thanks for listening once again there are several ways to continue the conversation after the show follow us on twitter's at monkeys underscore robots you can look at all of our silly photos on instagram at monkeys fighting robots we're really working on building up that instagram you can follow me on Twitter at the underscore great underscore ace. The biggest compliment we receive is when the subscriber number goes up on Blog Talk Radio. If you have a chance, we will greatly appreciate a review of our show on Apple Podcasts. As always, the best way to listen to the show is on our website, monkeysfightingrobots.com. Well, that was fun. Who's for Chinese? There are so many people that made the 26th episode of the comic show on Monkeys Fighting Robots a success. Go check out Uncanny Heroes in Tampa. 
Jessica Wynn designed the Monkeys Fighting Robots logo. Are you a monkey or are you a robot? The staff at Visual Realm built our website and keeps us up and running. To all of our friends, family, and the interweb, thank you very much for your support. I'm Anthony Composto, and this is Monkeys Fighting Robots.